Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 212, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained, people. We will do it for you today. We got a lot to get into, a little scouting combine, a little Zeke Elliott thought. We've got Clarence Hill Jr. will be joining us. I believe he is in Indianapolis, and he'll give us yes. the latest from yes. the combine. But before we do any of that, Let's tell you, we always start you off with Greening Law because I have no idea if now is when you need them. Were you hurt in a car accident? I mean, they've represented clients from car accidents to birth injuries to sexual assault cases involving clergy or hospitals. They are known as the Green Team, and they will fight your legal battle. They will be your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Dude, the thing about the Green Team is they're really good at what they do. Uh, very thorough. Matt can tell you exhaustive. Maybe that's a better word. But the thing I like about them, based on what Matt said and what you hear from other clients, is that they provide answers to questions. Check this out. You didn't even know were supposed to be asked. And that's like, wow. It's true. They will take care of you. And, you know, it really is true. They, they handle all that stuff with the insurance companies. And they just tell you, hey, go to your appointments. Go make sure you're doing this. It's called focusing on your healing and your renewal. That's what they do for you. Maybe you've got a case. Give them a call. Consultations free, 972-934-8900. Again, even if you don't think you need this number right now, either memorize it or write it down and keep it with you because you never know really when you're going to need it. 972-934-8900. They only get paid if you get compensated. Robert Greening, call them now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So we move on, and, and as we kind of hurl towards the beginning of spring here, this gets really interesting because the Cowboys have a lot of decisions to make. Talked about Amari Cooper last time. Demarcus Lawrence is going to be up. There's some other decisions. You know, what do you want to do if they decide with the franchise tag? And that deadline is actually next week, I believe next Tuesday. If they're going to, like Dalton Schultz, for instance, with a franchise tag, Dalton Schultz. We'll see how that stuff works out. But one thing we know for sure is that Zeke Elliott is going to be on this team this year. And we know that because Stephen Jones as he kind of talked out of the side of his mouth about some of the other issues, flat out said, Zeke's money is guaranteed. He will be on the team next year. <laughs> so we know he will be. <laughs> but you wrote an article because I think there has been a frustration with the Cowboys fan base with Zeke Elliott. Part of it is because of the amount of money that he makes. 
And there is truth. It's the Amari Cooper thing. It's the Dak thing. When you get paid that level, it's expected that you'll perform at a certain level. And if you don't, really the reasons don't matter. There becomes a frustration of you got paid and you are not performing for why you got paid. Yeah, and I think that was, um, you know, it, it runs hot and cold. And the problem for Zeke was two years ago, he just had a poor season. And he'll tell you, I had a bad season. That's one thing I like about him. Not just he's a Buckeye. He will own it when he had a bad season. And his, his um, response to that was to have a hell of an offseason. I mean, he started putting those videos up on Instagram. And this time it wasn't, man, he looks fat. It was, oh, my God, is he ripped and cut up. Um, and so we went to training camp. We saw him do his thing. And the season started. And Zeke Elliott was doing his thing, bro. Yeah, he was a beast, man. And. You've got an article that dropped another one in the Dallas Morning News today kind of talking about that and talking about if you look at the season and you look at the first five games of this year, this past year, I should say, before he ended up getting hurt. And we found out after the, the playoff loss that he had been playing the bulk of the season on a, a partially torn, what was it, a posterior cruciate ligament or whatever they call that? C- correct. Yeah, the PCL. And it was, I mean, look, anybody watching the games, you could obviously tell that Zeke was not functional at times. I mean, he was running like like me, like he had old man knee going on. Oh, there's no doubt. And so to me, man, the thing about it, the thing I found most interesting is I was tabulating some numbers this morning uh, just to see statistically what it looked because he is turning 27 and right before training camp, that is the age where running backs start to to fade and, and start as uh, Clarence Shellman, old school running back coach, once told me, when you're young, you see the hole, you get through the hole. When you're older, you see the hole and you get almost through it before they yank you down. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between a young guy in his prime and an older running back. And so I was looking at the numbers, man. I got to tell you, dog, I was, I, was, I was trying to see was I surprised or was I shocked? I was probably shocked because I did them twice to make sure I had them right. And what I'm saying is in Zeke's first four seasons, he basically averaged 96 yards a game and 4.6 average per carry. All right? That's a hell of a that's, – that's, ain't nothing wrong with that, dog. Yeah. In the first five games of this year, he averaged 90 yards a game and 5.3 a carry. Well, you'll take that. That's the dude he was for five games. So it's not like it was, you know, one 300-yard game and the rest of them sucked. That's pretty much who he was until he got hurt. And once he got hurt, he went from averaging 90 yards a game to not having another game with 90 yards. His best game was 87 against the Eagles JV team because, uh, you know, they were resting all their guys for the playoffs. Yeah. So to me, that says when he's healthy, he's good still. Now the question is, at 27 and all those carries, is this just the start of now every year you got an injury because you're an older guy? And we don't know yet because he's only had one season like that. But to me, it, it says that there's hope that he can be the guy that you that you paid and that you can get your $12 million out of him if he's healthy. I think it's promising that his yards per attempt went back up to 4.2. But the reality of it is when you look at his career, ever since he came into the league as a rookie and he averaged 108, almost 109 yards per game, his yards per game has just gone down. Whether – and that's – he's been hurt, he's been banged up, he, he had a not good year a couple of years ago, whatever the case may be. But you look at it, he went from 108 to 98 to 95 to 85 to 65 to 59. 
yards per game. True that. And, and, you can live with the first four seasons. Right, yeah. I mean, any, anything above 80, I think, on average, you're going to be okay. I mean, his career average now has dropped down to 83.9. And I was just looking at this because I was curious. You know, you look at this. He's been in the league. This is what's so frustrating about the Cowboys is it's wild that Zach or that Deke, it, oh, my God, that Zeke and Dak have yes. been in the league each for six years now. And you look at this. He's got four seasons over 1,000 yards. His other two seasons, he missed by 17 and he missed by 21 yards. That's how close he was to having six straight thousand yard seasons. And it'll be interesting to see how he ages, but I was just looking at this because I saw 7386. That's his career total right now. If he just does his game average at 84 yards a game for the next two seasons, he'll crack 10,000 yards. Only 31 running backs in NFL history have ever cracked 10,000 yards. Well, let me answer, let me ask, let me let me answer this question for you. Before you officially ask it, he ain't no Hall of Fame running back. No, 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 right no. I'm not saying about Hall of Fame. I, I, I not at all. He's not a Hall of Famer at all right, right. now. As a matter of fact, he, I mean, he was on that pace. Yeah, he he's got to do some more special things. Now if he gets up into the twelve thousand plus club. Pretty much every actually everybody other than the only every there are sixteen running backs that have cracked twelve thousand yards or more in their careers. Every single one of them is in the Hall of Fame, except Adrian Peterson and Frank Who Gore. Frank Gore is the hard one for me. We could talk five hours on Frank Gore. I still think uh, he gets in, and, and I know why you don't think so, but that number in everybody in the top 16 is a Hall of Fame. Every running back to crack 12,000. I just thought that was interesting because we. I don't know why. I I don't know. Like I think I Zeke has been really good, but I I don't know. Maybe in the next couple of years, things will be different. And there's a, there's a difference between, like you're talking about, where at 27 guys fade off, and then the greats somehow find a way to get it to 30 and sometimes even past that. Well, yeah, and that becomes why they're great. <laughs> you know what I mean? That becomes ultimately why yeah. they're great. It's the, it's the longevity and consistency um, that, uh, that separates you at a certain point. And ultimately, you know, Frank Gore will get in because of this consistency over a long period of time. I couldn't help it, Matt. You put him ahead, and I tried to squash it, but I can't. My problem is, He's the Matt Stafford com- conversation for me. Like, he was yeah. never, ever considered anywhere close to being the best running back. I mean, he, w- he was never even in conversation, really. Right. Except the one year he had 1,600 or something like that. But, I mean, he was just not that guy. And so he compiled it, and that was great. But, you know, uh, that's a conversation for a very, very slow day, like next July 5th or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that, yes. I knew that would get a giggle. Um, but, you know, as it relates to Zeke, man, um, his career has just been really interesting, really, because it looked like, and this is why you can't anoint people after their first year. Oh, my God, 1,600 yards, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. You can't stop him. He's unstoppable. And I really think he got derailed a little bit. Well, he got derailed a lot by all the controversy his second year because you, you would be hard to convince me that he wasn't going to have 1,500 or 1,600 his second year. I mean, he was at 98 a game, and he only played 10 games. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he was going to do that again, and he was going to have three straight rushing championships. And you just never know how your career goes if it, if it starts like that because, you know, just all the other stuff. You know, because not that I talked to him about it, but we all know that the, the court thing had to be a beatdown, um, especially yeah, if yeah. the way it is where you're not really – I mean – you, there's no arrest. There's, you're like, what did I do to put myself in this position? Like, I mean, if I did something, okay, great. But what they got me for, I mean, come on, man, really? 
And to me, that's even more fr- that's considerably more frustrating if you did it and you just try to get out of it because ultimately, you know, you did it. And if they get you, well, they get me. Yeah. And I'll be very curious to see, because this year, I think, will tell you a lot about Zeke Elliott, his age 27 season and how he ages and can he bounce back from the injury last year? Because it gets harder the older you get. We all know this. But the reality of it being that if they wanted to, he's going to be, as Steven told everybody, he'll be on the team this year. The out was built in after this upcoming season. The out was built in to where if they wanted to, at the end of the 2022 year, they could walk away from him and it would be an $11.8 million dead cap hit. They could easily split that over two seasons and, and absorb that easily if they feel like they cannot, after 2022, if he doesn't answer some questions and really put together one of those seasons where, and, and fairly or not, I mean, injury is a part of it, but you know, sometimes when you're injured, if, are you going to be a guy who gets injured or are you going to be a guy who you're going to bounce back from this injury and give us the season that we, we need from you? I mean, I think that's fair, and I think that's the way that it goes. Um, it'll just, I mean, I, and the thing that I wrote is he's a very prideful person, uh, as evidenced by the fact that he owned his bad season and evidenced by the fact that he was so cut up and so ready to play when 2021 started. So, based on that, I expect him to um, show up next, next summer and be ripped up, you know, cut up again and, and start the season in the same place. And then it'll be a matter of can he stay healthy? And if he can, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's check it out. And then what do you want to do? Because this is, this is an interesting year. Much like we talked about Gallup and Cooper, it's going to be the Zeke and Pollard conversation moving into 2022 because Tony Pollard's a free agent after this upcoming season. And do they want to figure out a way? Would there be a franchise tag there next offseason? Would there be a contract extension? We're talking about a guy who will be 25 years old next season in Tony Pollard. And then it happens, okay, well, if that's going to be the case, how many much how much money and how many years would you want to give it let's say let's say okay Zeke just comes out and man he's just he just doesn't have it anymore and then we decide we want to move forward with Tony Pollard well how much do you want to give Tony Pollard when you only got two years before he turns over 27 right um and for a guy who's never been a featured back by the way yeah I don't think he's ready to be your featured back I mean like and I, when I say he's not ready to be a feature back, I mean it in the sense of he ain't never done it. I don't know why I would expect and anticipate him being able to be one, you know, at that point of his yeah. career. And so I just I just wouldn't think he would be. And so, um, you know, bro, it's, it's going to be a very interesting question. I think they both have use. Like, I could easily see Pollard having – like, Pollard's role to me could continue for several years. You just pair him up with somebody. Yeah. You draft a running back and you pair him up, and then it might even really work because if you draft a guy and you have Pollard, you really ha- can really do whatever you feel like doing because you're not like, well, damn, Zeke's been a bell cow. We don't want to piss him off, or we don't want, or we're not giving him more more stuff than he asked for. Like, you know what I mean? Like Zeke mm-hmm. never said, "Hey, do this," but we just feel so bad if we don't that we acquiesce, even though he never asked us to acquiesce. Yeah, and it'll be it's just going to be interesting moving forward because Tony Pollard obviously has a role in this team. I thought he did a lot of great things this year and and he really excelled because you look at it in his first two years with the Cowboys, he only had a handful of games where he was getting 10 or more carries. That was basically where he was at this year. And part of it was because of the injury to Zeke, but you look at the 15 games that he played and there were what eight games where he had 10 or more carries and seven games where he didn't, but he showed 
that that 10 to 12 carry range, he could still be very productive and average five, six, seven yards a carry, even when right. getting 10 to 12. And I think the Cowboys started to recognize, and they're going to have to recognize moving forward. I think that's one of the keys with this offense it is if you're moving on from Amari Cooper, then you don't need to spend a ton of money on a number one. You just need to figure out how you're going to do the offense with your receivers. But they've got to figure out how to make sure that Tony Pollard and Zeke are balanced well, where Pollard is you're still utilizing Pollard in a way that can make him explosive. No, I mean, that's the whole trick, and that's what Kellen Moore is paid to do, bro. I mean, I mean, that's really the trick of it. It's you got to be the guy that's uh, that's getting people, that's getting everybody involved, that's making sure that uh, we're getting the best use out of the talent that we have. And that's the frustration. If, if you give the best players the ball, then there's no first, then the frustration becomes, well, I don't know why we didn't win. I mean, he did what he was supposed to do. It's, it's on the players. But when you don't do that for the players, bro, it becomes all on you. Yeah, it does. And this is where it gets interesting because, again, you look at these numbers and you forget how long these guys have already been in the league. I mean, it's wild to think that that class with Zeke and Dak it just wrapped up year six in the NFL. I mean, again, we only know the names of the stars. We forget about most players, but the average NFL career is three years. Zeke has just played two of them. How many more careers, so to speak, does he have left? And if he can get to another one and you get, you get nine years out of him and he can get you to 30, then that means he's probably done something in the next couple of years coming up that should help to keep the Cowboys at least competitive, fighting for a playoff spot, and maybe making some noise. We'll see. Yeah, we will. It just sucks because it just feels like the window is closed. I think that's why I'm so dang that's why I'm so irritated about last year. I feel like and I know we've talked about this, but just looking at their ages again and looking at where this thing goes. And then and then when we had that conversation about the offensive line the other day and seeing, right. you know, Zach Martin and Tyron well over 30 now, and you just sit there and you shake your head at what how in the world does this window? I mean, you really had a 6-year high quality window and it gave you nothing. Dude, I mean, that's, that was the whole deal. <laughs> I mean, the whole deal for me, and, I, and I'm not saying I'm, well, yeah, I am. I, I recognized it early. I'm not saying I recognized yeah. it earlier than everybody, but I remember talking about it way early in this training camp or heading into training camp. Like, if you look at it and you look at the guys who will be leaving because the contracts are up and it won't be a failure to keep them and you look at the depth on the team, and this was even before we knew that Michael Parsons was going to be Michael Parsons and that Trayvon Diggs was going to do what he did. It was like, this looks like a really talented team, and if they don't make something happen at a high level this year, bro, um, it's, uh, it's going to be hard to have the same level of talent on the team from here on out. It really and is. That, that, to me, has proved to be correct. I mean, it we is. just look and see where it's gone. I do – uh, you know what? We, there's something else I want to talk about, but we'll get to it later. All right, we're about to take a trip around the block here. Before we get to that, have you perused? I know Jacques has done this because he already found a car on BlueStarMotorGroup.com that he's got his eye on. But have you guys been doing that? Have you gone to BlueStarMotorGroup.com? Have you sent Deb a text or given her a call, let her know, hey, I saw something. What can we do? 817-881-4066. Superior quality, Carfax certified, pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models. Go online. We all like to do this together from time to time. You go to bluestarmotorgroup.com. It pulls it up for you, and you can peruse what they've got on their website. And they've got everything, man. I mean, they've got they've got multiple like 
legit high class $100,000 plus cars on their website right now. They've also got cars going for $20,000 on their website right now. I mean, they, they cover the full range of it. That's what I like about them, man. Blue Star is great because they give you an option that fits everybody's budget, man. If you want to buy a car for your, for your grandkid or your kid, they can do that. If you want a midlife crisis car, they can do that. Uh, if you want an SUV, they can do whatever you want, man. At whatever price you want, they got something that fits you. They're a one-stop shop. And that's why I tell you, you got to go there because it's all about getting a deal done for them, man. Yeah, they've got a couple of Audis on their website right now. They got a 2018 Audi A4 for under thirty thousand. They've got a 2017 Audi Q3 for under twenty-two thousand. They've got, and I know which car you've been looking at. You've been looking at that 2016 BMW 4 Series two-door convertible because they got that from under thirty-seven thousand, and it's got barely forty-six thousand miles on it, bro. I actually went and calculated, okay, if I put this much down, 17 <laughs> cents, what would my note be? I went Man. that far, bro, just just so I could have a ballpark of, of what I'm talking about. I mean, they've got all kinds of just, I mean, some of these deals on here, I keep looking at it, I'm like, how is that possible? But it's Blue Star Motor Group. Give her a call. Deb, her husband, Mike, they're doing a great job. 817-881-4066. Let them know you heard about it on the Jam Session podcast. They listen to the podcast. They're big listeners of what we do, and they're going to know exactly what you're talking about. I'm just I'm going to tell you this. If you are thinking like Jacques is, if you're thinking about buying a car at any point in the next few months, you need to go online right now because something's going to jump off because, my God, they've got some good deals. It's bluestarmotorgroup.com. And then after that, as I've been telling you, Jacques's been telling you, you take it over. At some point, you need your oil change. You need your new tires. Maybe you even need some of the mechanical work that Jacques has had done. The only place that you should take your car, the only place that Jacques takes any of his cars, is freeway tire shop so that JR and his crew can get it taken care of. Dude, JR is the best, man. I told y'all this a thousand times, so make this a thousand and one. He's the absolute best when it comes to customer service. I use them on all my cars. If I get this BMW, I'll use them on that one too. And that's because, man, you can trust him. I got the four T's for you. You trust him because he can diagnose the problem accurately, whatever's wrong with your car. Number two, you trust him because he's going to use quality parts to fix your car, which means the repair is going to last longer. Number three, you can trust him to give you a fair price. All right? Yeah, it's expensive to get your car fixed, but he'll give you a fair price. And number four, you trust him to guarantee his work. So if something's not right, you just bring it back. There's no whole lot of, that's not what I did. Nah, bring it back. Yo, okay, my bad. Let me fix this up. Do, 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 do. He'll call you back a day later. How's it running? That's the kind of dude he is, man. It's easy. It's easy, too, because you can go online. You can see everything about it. You can schedule your appointment. You can even request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. Let JR take care of you, for real. All right, let's take this trip around the block. I, a buddy of mine, Juan, that you know, sent me this earlier today. And it's funny because there used to be one of these directly across from the neighborhood that he lived in. After 44 years. That's a long ass time. The video rental facility that outlasted Blockbuster, outlasted wow. Hollywood Video, outlasted Movie Gallery, outlasted Video Village. They're shutting down. Family Video. Family Video, which believe it or not, still had locations, is shutting officially down. They had announced last year that they were going to shut down the physical locations of their stores. And they had 248 video rental locations across the United States. They just announced today 
that they are closing everything and shutting down their website in the near future, marking a complete shutdown. Family video will be the last one. They're done. Damn. What? I, I feel ignorant. What kind of videos were they selling? It, it, it's like, just, no, it, it's, it was a blockbuster. I mean, like, it was a movie gallery. Okay. It was just a place you could go in. Hell, the one that he lived by it was in Rowlett until a few years ago. I used to, I mean, this was as recently as within the last 10 years I'd been there and rented right. videos there. And so all these other video stores that had closed down, family videos still existed. There was one, there was, and there may still be to this day, unless they closed it in the last year or so, I know two years ago, for sure, there was a family video over there, like in the Valley Ranch area, kind of off of right. Sandy Lake Road. And it's, right. it was just a standalone video store that you could walk in and you could rent DVDs. Like how you used to in the 90s and the early aughts. They still did that. And, they, you know, they, were, they had great rental deals and, and they had the new releases and all that and... I love video stores. I was a huge, I mean, I, I, people know this. I worked in a video store in high school for like three years when I was a junior or senior in high school and then my freshman year in college called Video Village out in the Rockwall Rowlett area. And right. it was a family-owned mom-and-pop video store. They had five locations just in that area. And when I started working for them, there were three locations. Then it became two. Then it was one. And for those of you that live in Rockwall, it's where the party city is now. That's right there off of Ridge Road by where... I don't know what they, I think it's a Planet Fitness that's in the old Brookshire's, but it's in that strip center. And it was one of the largest video stores in the entire country by square footage. And I worked there and, and eventually videos stopped being a thing and then DVDs, nobody wanted it and, and everything went away. Dude, that's why, you know, it's amazing they lasted this long. Cause yeah, I can't hell, believe ain't it. Nobody, ain't nobody been like, what's, I mean, we're only talking, I can't believe we're talking more than a couple years man before and you know shoot matt might say dude what are you talking about they're doing it right now <laughs> which is like okay this is a great example like batman gets released friday yeah in theaters i'm not going to be surprised at all within a couple years if they go batman's released on friday to theaters and then the next friday or two fridays from now you can stream it at your crib for five bucks well, that's kind of like the thing that they'd been doing with HBO Max, where they, they released Matrix, whatever it was called, Matrix Resurrections in December, and they released it in theaters. But if you subscribe to HBO Max, you could also watch it at home, but you had to be a member of HBO Max. And I think that you're going to start seeing more of that where, you know, the last J-Lo movie that came out was like that, where they did that and they did a, a release on Peacock. And I think right. you're going to start seeing some of these streaming services that say, hey, let's do it together. Because movie theaters, there's still an appeal for movie theaters, I think. But for me, I mean, I've always been somebody. Now, the Batman's different because I've heard it's really, really good. But then I was told today it's legit three hours long. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to the movie theater to watch a three-hour movie anymore. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. A lot of the times I just wait because you can, and even like Redbox for me, Redbox and I get the popularity of it, but I still have to physically go somewhere, have a physical something in my hand and remember to physically take it back when I can just get on Amazon Prime, rent it and not have to worry about it. Bro, you ain't said nothing but a word right there. I'll pay, <laughs> I mean, that's what it no, is. No, I'm serious. Like I'll pay that three ninety nine. Yeah. Because I don't really care. Uh, because, and I, I rationalize it by saying, 
you could blow three ninety nine, four bucks doing any number of things sure. the moment you leave your house. I bought a soda and some a pack of chips, and that was four bucks. Yep. At a at a Seven Eleven. Now I don't do that. I'm just giving y'all an example. Sure. So don't at me. Uh, but you know, so I don't mind paying four bucks for that two hours of entertainment in the comfort of my own home, surrounded by loved ones from time to time. And uh, you know, and I do that, man. I looked at my bill the other day. I think I did that three times last month. So that was twelve bucks, but that was twelve of the better bucks I spent last month. Yeah, I think that's that's what I do. I just rent stuff off of Prime, and like you said, I don't mind paying it because I know there's not going to be any late fees. I don't have to worry about oh my god, I forgot. Oh, now I got to go and find a red box, or I got to you know I, I was thinking about something else and I drove past the location. Now I got to turn around and go back to it. I don't have to worry about it, and. You know, it's interesting the way that we consume things now, but it's going to be more and more and more streaming. I'll be really curious to see how movie theaters read it. And we've already seen, you know, movie theaters now are more comfortable than they've ever been. Most of them have these huge plush seats. They've invested in, in higher quality picture, higher quality sound. A lot of the times you can, you can make a night of it and go and eat while you're at the movie theater and all that. But still, it is hard as hell to beat your ability for a nice setup at the house. Bro, the first thing I did when I got my house and I, 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 I had the deal done with my significant other was I need the home theater put in the moment, the day we move in, the day we get the keys and the furniture and stuff's coming in, I need the home theater put up with all the fancy speakers yeah. and everything. And so that changed my life. <laughs> And so I tell everybody, man, if you get a crib, especially, I mean, I would just be like, whether it's for sports or whether it's for movies, the way they got sound now and TVs and all speakers and all that stuff, that's driven the industry out, man, because everybody's streaming and everybody's got these great home theaters, which yeah. are now not just home theaters. You can have it in your living room. You can have it in your game room. You can have it in your bedroom. It's however you want to do it. it. It's just so much easier. It's so That's one thing. You know, I was talking about this last week because they released college football attendance numbers and they're down again for like the what, like the eighth consecutive year or something. And even like in a hotbed like the SEC, attendance numbers were down. Well, part of the reason is it's like this with movie theaters. If you've got a nice television, you can sit on your nice couch that's got space, eat your cold beer, eat your food, and you can watch it on your big ass big screen and you're not shoved into a stadium where it costs you... You're going to go with a friend because you're not going by yourself. Probably cost you a couple of hundred bucks. You had to pay for parking. You had to pay for the tickets. You're sitting in the hot sun as it bakes you, and people are shoved up against you. Then you want to get out of line. You miss part of the game. I mean, it's being the comforts of home have never been better, ever, than they never. are right now. And they're only going to continue to get better as technology continues to advance. Bro, it's, it's fantastic, man. You get an 80-inch TV. With yeah. pure surround sound and, and the proper speakers around you, dude, it sounds every bit like you're at IMAX. And you, you no longer have to worry about the beating of traffic and fighting this and waiting in line and somebody next and I, to you yeah. opening a bag of Raisinets as Tom Hanks says the last line of Saving Private Ryan and you miss it completely until it comes out on DVD for <laughs> rental. You no longer have to worry about that. <laughs> Not just that, man. You don't have to worry about bullshit $6 popcorn, yeah. $8 nachos, and $5 water. I mean, you can... You want you want steak and baked potato while we watch this movie? Um, you know, it's uh, dude, I'm all uh, you know, I was having this conversation the other day uh, with somebody. And I go, I think one of the greatest things is when you just decide 
you have a home and you decide I'm going to make my home everything I wished I had had as a kid. Yeah. Whatever that whatever that is. And you just make your home such a nice spot that you're like, I don't really feel like leaving. And, uh, you know, my goal when I first became, well, not first, but as my yeah. kids were getting older, I was like, I need my crib to be the one everybody comes to so that I don't have to worry about where my kid is. <laughs> and so we'll have a basketball court in the back and we'll have this home theater and we'll have this game room and we'll have the PS three or four, whatever it was set up and we'll have it set up on a big screen and we'll have these great speakers and, and everybody will like coming over here because everything you want to do is over here. And uh, that's what happened for about a two or three year period, man. And I was okay with that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's welcome to where we're at now. And it's only, again, it'll continue to home building has never been better. And the technology available is only going to increase as time goes by. I mean, it, it's, we are technologically advancing at such a rapid pace that the more we discover, the easier it is for technology to advance. And so what it used to take, like, say, 10 years to do now will take five and then eventually it'll take two. And then, I mean, it's just the way it is, because once you have the technology, it makes everything else easier. So you rapidly increase what's happening. And, and we're in that period now, which is kind of wild. The other thing I wanted to bring up here in this trip around the block is you sent me this article and this is the future, too. And so Olympic ski racer Bodie Miller, I'm sure many people are familiar with him. He is looking at Dallas and Austin as locations for his indoor snow sports resorts. Bro. Headquartered in Virginia, the first one in the country is opening out in California in 2025. Or I'm sorry, it's opening in Virginia in 2025. It's a $225 million project. And what it is, the one that they're building in Virginia, is a 450,000 square foot facility It'll have a 1,700-foot-long ski slope reaching a height of 280 feet so that you can ski and snowboard on that fake snow that's like they used in the Olympics this year, and you're doing it all inside in the middle of July in the hot Texas waves. That sounds to me like a winner. Amazing. Sounds like, damn, I wish I thought of that. No doubt, man. I mean, th this is... This is incredible. And like they're doing it, the one they're building in Virginia is on the former side of a landfill. Nothing's there. They're just going to build this big ass indoor snow mountain for people to, hey, you want to snow ski? Don't go to Colorado. Go down the street. It's at Legacy and Coit. I mean, what are we Bro. doing? Dude, you know, that's exactly what's going down, man. Oh. I mean, if, if you think about it, think about what's happened in the last 10 years, bro. They've made all these swimming pool things that are indoor, so yeah. you don't even have to get beaten down by the heat now. You can go swim in these big, you know, huge, humongous swimming swimming deals. And then what is it we read last year, man? They put a beach in some uh, some uh, housing complex in Plano yeah. or somewhere. Yeah, and they're doing they, that on Lake they, Ray Hubbard in Rowlett. They're building a lagoon yeah. with the beach and all that, yeah. Right, so if you can build a beach and you can build a swimming pool, I mean, shit, the next step was, uh, you know, let's bring some ice in here. Yeah, there, I mean, look, reality of it is, whether you believe in global warming or not, it's happening. I mean, it's a scientific fact that the earth is warmer than it was, and it's continuing to get warmer. Now, the reasons for that, you can debate that all you want. I don't care. But right. the reality of it is, I mean, they. I read an article last week about how they don't know how much longer they can sustain the Winter Olympics. The one that was just held in Beijing was 100% artificial snow. That's unbelievable to me. And so because some of these areas, they were saying, 
I think the number, and I'm just doing this off the top of my head, trying to remember, I believe it's 27 different venues have hosted the Winter Olympics since they started. And they believe that by the year 2050, only like 13 of them, less than half, will be able to ever host them again without having artificial snow everywhere because of global warming and, and how the earth is heating up and all this type of stuff. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But snow and things of that nature are different. Snowfall totals are different. And so now if you can do this and the fake snow is just as good as real snow, stuff like this will pop up everywhere. Everywhere, bro. Everywhere. And now you no longer have to try to plan that crazy expensive (laughs) trip to Colorado that cost a fortune. You can just go, hey, uh, you kids want to go skiing today after school in Texas? Is that that bizarre or what? (laughs) I mean, it's wild, man. It is wild. The future is awesome. And I feel like, you know, sometimes we are expecting these massive technological jumps. Like we all want flying cars where we want all these. We want to go live on Mars right now. And that's coming, by the way. But man, some of these little advances they've made in technology, just things like this that are just going to boggle our minds. I mean, man, I feel like we're about to enter some golden age where we just make these crazy advances. Oh, I think we're there. I just want to live long enough to experience them. Yeah, I do too. That's the, that's the hope. And, you know, who knows? By the time I'm 90, 50 years from now, you know, it may be one of those things that they go, well, 90 is the new 70. And, and life expectancy just vaults up to like 150 or something. Well, shit, let's hope it happens before I die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? Ah, it's kind of awesome, man. It's kind of awesome. So there you have it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed that trip around the block. All right, here he is. He joins us every week on the podcast. You know him well, longtime Cowboys beat writer from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Brought to you by Soda Weight Loss, it is Clarence Hill Jr. who is joining us as he is enjoying the NFL scouting combine up there in Indianapolis. And, Chill, curious your thoughts on what Mike McCarthy had to say in, in the discovery the other day that Dak Prescott had some uh, some minor surgery, I guess, on his shoulder. You know, and it is interesting because uh, Dak Prescott and the training staff and the doctor didn't want the media or anyone to know about Dak's shoulder, shoulder surgery because it wasn't a big deal. It was, you know, non-throwing shoulder and no, you know, like don't ask, don't tell. There was nothing to talk about because by the time we saw him again in, in uh, minicamp, you know, it wouldn't have been an issue. And it's still not an issue. So they were kind of alarmed that Mike McCarthy would uh, volunteer information that no one wanted out. You know, but it was typical Mike who was trying his best to be amenable and, and, and more responsive to the media, certainly trying to offset, you know, the Sean Payton and all the other stuff and, and, and trying to, you know, just put out a different face. But uh, it, that was just kind of an interesting side piece of that because, you know, Britt Brown called him. You know Britt. He probably called and told him, Mike, what the hell are you doing? That didn't want that out. <laughs> now, see, I always think it's funny. It's not a big deal. It's not this. Nobody cares. It's this. Is it? Then why y'all so mad that it came out? That's always I, my initial thing. And I don't think like, mad is the right word, but they didn't They didn't want it out. It was like, you know, why are you, you oversharing? You're oversharing. You're oversharing. And that happened. <laughs> they, they oversharing. Sir. <laughs> But uh, outside of that, I mean, it was typical Mike. Uh, you know, we talked to him for about 30 minutes in front of the podium. Then we went to dinner with him, lunch with him, and, and talked some more on and off the record. And, and certainly, uh, you know, there's a focus of, of, you know, letting Jerry know that, you know, or he, he feels 
good with his position with Jerry, despite all of the other stuff that comes along with with, with Jerry Jones. I was, I was asking Mike, did you not know that this was part of the circus when you signed up two years ago? How did you not know? I was compared to marrying a Kardashian and did not know you were going to be on reality TV every week. <laughs> See, I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> How did you not know? I like that. Yeah, you know, but there is a there's true. a part of knowing and then knowing knowing. It's the one thing of knowing and then living it. And and there's a wake up reality to actually having to live it. And I think that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I kinda knew, but you don't know until you're in the middle of it until it's affecting you and your life and how you do your job. And that's when it's a, a kind of welcome to the Dallas Cowboys moment. Jacques and I have been talking about this with Damari Cooper and, and this idea that it, just kind of what Steven had to say, I guess this was Monday, where he, hey, Zeke's our guy. Zeke's going to be on the team. His money's guaranteed. Amari uh, Cooper, well, we're not really ready to talk about that yet. Are they moving on from Amari, do you think? I think they're moving on from Amari. And, 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 and if you understand um, the money, he's got. it's not about what Amari's not. It's a matter of, you know, where he fits with the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are not going to maximize him as a number one receiver. I don't think he should be, you know, targeted and uh, to to the, the investment of twenty million dollars. Then why should we be paying twenty million dollars? Now, does that make you a better football team? That's a whole other story. Right, right, right. You know, this is about dollars, it's about systems. You know, but I I can't be giving you twenty million dollars a year if you gonna be the third targeted receiver. All right. Did, did we ever figure out why he's the third targeted receiver? <laughs> and I say that meaning, is it about Kellen Moore's scheme? Is it about Dak Prescott's comfort? And I say that in the sense of, you remember, and I know you do, but like he wouldn't throw to Dez because Dez was covered, and Tony Romo was like, I don't care if Dez is covered, Dez go get it. But that's just not right. how Dak operates. It's more about defense is doing things to take him away. And they're not fortunate in that situation when defense are doing things to take him away. You know, that, that's, you know, as simple as you can say that they're doing things to take him away. And the Cowboys feel like we have other options to go to when they're taking him away. You know, and, and you know, obviously Jerry Jones said, I don't, he's supposed, you know, you're supposed to throw it to him when they cover. Well, that's just not their philosophy. He wants to throw to, to the Cedric Wilsons and the, and, and, and other guys because they think they can win as well. That's one reason why Dalton Schultz is getting ready to break the bank on the, on the market is because Dak Prescott had nobody no problem throwing to him and going to Dalton Schultz when uh, Amari Cooper was covered. But again, I you know, and, and that, that's another interesting part of this whole situation. The Cowboys move forward. Now they may move forward not only without uh, – Amari Cooper, but there's a chance they won't have Dr. Silk, you know, Dak Prescott's trusted Linus and Blanket out there either because he's going to break the bank in free agency. Well, that, that's, that's a good segue. We think he's going to break the bank in, in free agency. Um, <clears throat> what do you make of uh, the report out there today that Blake Jarwin had some hip surgery that could compromise him for the start of the season? And I wondered if that would make them cut Blake Jarwin, save five million against the cap. Put a franchise tag on Dalton Schultz for one year as a stopgap, and uh, and operate that way. Well, yeah, the Cowboys are really playing option quarterback. That's what Stephen told us. You know, they're playing. He's going to be playing option quarterback in pregnancy. You know, if not this, then that, and whatever else. And because they don't really know what the market's going to be for Dalton, they think it's going to be high just because 
there's not a lot of tight ends on the market, and, and so they they think he's going to get a, uh, a, a a you know he could command a big tag a number for agency. They have not made a decision whether they're going to franchise him. That's on the table, but they have not made that decision. And yes, I was there when you know we were told about the report of uh, we're told about the situation with Black Jarwin. You know that not only you know his you know his career with the Cowboys, but his career period might be is, is in question after this unique surgery that he had. This kind of what NHL players have to deal with, with hip surgery to keep playing. It's something that NFL players have never tried before. Uh, some of the Cowboys are hoping work with Blake, but you know it's, it's a six to eight weeks recovery. You know if he is able to play, they won't know until September. Uh, certainly, there's a chance they could cut him, make him take a pay cut, sign him back. All that on the table, and certainly that plays a role in that what they do with Dalton Schultz. But bottom line is, they they want Dalton back. They hope to get him back. They're going to try to get him back. Uh, but they're going to draft a tight end as well. That, that's going to be they, – they're finally going to draft they, – they have to draft a tight end because if they bring him back, certainly it's going to be just for one year. But they have to get depth in numbers at that position and they're going to draft a tight end. Is this thing, when we look at some of the other guys that the Cowboys are talking about here, with Michael Gallup, is this – you moving on from Amari Cooper. It, it, he's done. They just feel confident. We're getting Michael Gallup and we're going to sign him. No problems with that. That's the goal. I mean, they, they, you know, what? we don't, they don't really know what the market is going to be for Michael Gallup or Cedric Wilson, you know, and they want mm-hmm. Cedric back too, but, you know, those guys could, 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 could command a number in the market that they may be too rich for the Cowboys. You know, uh, part of the equation is getting rid of Mario Cooper. You think you can move forward with Gallup and Cedric Wilson and, and CD Lamb. Again, Gallup won't be ready till September, October, I mean, August, September. You know, they understand that, but they think he'll be ready and be back. But, you know, so that's going to, impact his ability to get big numbers of freighters. Maybe they can sign him to a one-year deal, like you're talking about with Jarwin and, you know, with the franchise tag and, and let him go back and freight into next year. But that that's all part of the equation. But, again, you tell me, are they better at receiver with CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Cedric Wilson with Noah Marco? Well, no, nah, because one of those guys got a question mark in terms of Michael Gallup and health. Uh, Cedric Wilson appears to be fine, um, but again, he's still, you know, I mean, he's still what he is, a solid player. We don't know that he's more than that. And then the big question, the question that, that I'm I'm throwing a, a 3-0 fastball to Clarence Hill is, is CeeDee Lamb a number one? Uh, yes. I think that's still to be determined. I mean, I, I think we don't know that. We know he has a skill. We know he's number one in training camp. You know, when when comes to training camp, he he looks like a number one. He plays like a number one. Is does he is he a number one? You know, you know, on the field, did he show that uh, in games, in crucial games? Certainly not down the stretch. You know, he didn't have you know his touchdowns were limited last seven games. You know, big plays were limited. You know, that's what you want from number one. And a lot of stuff he got early in the season was because of the coverage that was. Uh, commanded by Amari Cooper. Without Amari Cooper commanding those double teams, those, and those double teams may, may come to him, is he going to put up those same numbers? That's all to be decided. It's all to be determined. We don't know that. When you look at the defensive side, and, and Stephen Jones wouldn't really answer this one either, are, are they going to move on from Demarcus Lawrence? You, know, you got decisions to make on Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, and Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory is a free agent. Randy Gregory, you know, they're not going to put the franchise tag on him. They're hoping they can get the hometown discount. That, that that's what they're hoping. You know, they they can get the hometown discount on him because uh you know, because of what they've the way they've stood by him and support him 
you know, throughout his stuff and throughout all the years. You know, they, they certainly have stood by him for him. They hope they get a hometown discount. But uh, he's a guy with six, you know, he had six sacks, no more than six sacks at any point in his career. He's a guy who's also coming off knee surgery. He's also going to be 30. How much do you pay that guy? You know, and, and, and Demarcus Lawrence, you know, they're going to talk to his agent. They're going to talk to his people. You know, they're hoping to get a pay cut. We don't know that he's going to be amenable to that. And, and when will they make that decision? You know, again, you know, when Steven talked about option quarterback, you know, you know, all this stuff is going to affect decisions they make with other guys. Dude, that's interesting to me. What uh, I, I never liked playing for the hometown discount, man, because as I always like to say, you didn't hold on to Gregory out of benevolence. You hold you held on to Gregory hoping he would be this dude that he became at points last year. And we're also talking about a 30-year-old player who, through his own uh, off-the-field issues, missed two years, and they had that mega payday that uh, that a guy gets. So I don't know if you're in your headed in your 30s, this is your only crack at a big contract, if you're feeling all benevolent, like, oh, they really helped me and looked out after me, and I should sign with them. Well, I mean, that's part of it. Part of it is, you know, he, he wants to be benevolent because Dallas is probably the best place for him because of his issues, too. I mean, you can sign with, with money, but if you go to another situation, uh, another city that don't have the support system around, you don't have people that understand you know, what you went through and, and, and are, are committed to committed to you like the Cowboys have been, you know, you may fall off and, 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 and never get to, to earn or maximize that money you get on that better contract somewhere else. So, you know, it, it's not it can't be just a money thing for him. And they understand, and he understands that. And, and, and certainly he has to be appreciative of what the Cowboys have done since uh, standing by him. But you're talking about, again, a guy that was a couple of years ago that uh, was working at, you know, at Amazon Warehouse to feed his family. So he, he certainly needs the money, you know, and he has to maximize the money because it's maybe his last really bite at the apple. But he also has to be a situation where he can maximize his earning potential and maximize his career that's going to allow him to be the best football player he can be as long as he can be in that should be in Dallas. What do you think, and, and this is different than the last couple of off-seasons because it, 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 even last year, I mean, the whole DAC contract thing had really kind of been the number one priority. What do you, what do you think this off-season the number one priority for the Cowboys is? Fixing that offensive line. Fixing that offensive line. And certainly tight end is up there. But, but you know, when I look at the, you know, they're they looking at the 24 pick in the draft, their offensive line, defense line, or, or – you know, certainly best available athlete, you know, there. But if there's an offensive lineman there, especially an interior guard or center that's worthy of being there, that's the direction the Cowboys are going at that 24th pick. What do you think, uh, What would, if Clarence Hills, do you, you know, because that's too generic for me. I need more specifics. Where are you going? <laughs> I mean, the, the guard out of A&M is the one that, that you know, if you, if you look at the numbers, the center out of uh, Iowa is the best center in the draft. Uh, but he's small. And the Cowboys believe if they had a better guard, that would make Biotish a better center. You know, they need a better guy playing next to Biotis. And, and so from, from what looks of the draft, if there's a big guard who can handle that, they would rather go with the guard there at that 24th pick. Now, certainly they have needs, you know, certainly with the question with Amari Cooper, big needs, you know, they can take a receiver, you know, if the special one falls and, and certainly, there's no from right now. There's no tight end. I talked about tight end. There's no tight end that's worthy of a first round pick. Most of those guys are second or third round options. Uh, so it, it can be a defense lineman or offensive lineman. That's what they're looking at. That's what they're going to probably go focus on with that 24th pick in the draft. 
you know, as far as improving the team overall, I mean, they're going to focus on signing their guys. You know, they got they they got to be able to re-sign Curse. You know, they like Hooker. You know, they're going to try to get those guys back in safety. Uh, you know, again, we talked about the defensive ends already. You know, they want to bring back, you know, certainly uh, the receivers, you know, that they have out there. And, and certainly, we, you know, we, we've already talked about them, you know, having to make a decision on, on, on Schultz and tight end. So, you know, that's their focus, you know, as far as offseason the draft and Steven said they're not going to be the Rams. They're continue to be the Cowboys. They're going to build a draft and, and sign their own guys. They they're not making a big splash for outside free agents. Dude, so basically the same thing they always do. Yeah, but I mean, but, but it I mean, is. I mean, that's what they do. Yeah, and, but and I mean, it helped them get twelve wins. I mean, it's you know. And, and what happens when you do the same thing? <laughs> what, I what's mean, the definition of insanity. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, well, see that—that's another question. Are we saying that their, are we saying that their approach is the reason why they lose in the playoffs? I'm not saying it's why they lose. I mean, I don't think you put one finger on it. All I'm saying is, you're doing the same thing and you're gonna get the same result. Something has to change up in the process, you know. And, and you know whether that's you know making a bigger splash or, or find a way to, to get the guys to show up when it matters most. Well, finding somebody who who can get them to show when it matters most. What that reason is, I don't know. You know, I've been here since 1996. You know, they ain't want nothing. It ain't me. I'm not the problem. You tell me. Are you sure? Are you sure? Maybe they need change because when I showed up, they was winning. You know, I think. (laughs) I mean, we won Super Bowl was my first year. (laughs) Yeah, but they they also had Hall of Fame players. They also had Hall of Fame players on both sides of the ball. Well, that's the uh, that's the issue. Yeah. That, that's they got to get better you know, players. Yeah, and how do you do that? Do you do that in the draft, or you do you, you do that in free agency? You do a combination of both, you know. Or but you know you can't you know you just can't say we're building through the draft. We're building through the draft when you look at some of these other teams and you look at Cincinnati. Even Cincinnati, sort of they okay. built through the draft with their quarterback, but they also supplemented that with some big time free agent signings that helped them get to the Super Bowl. That's a good question. I mean, it's it's a good conversation just because. You know, the Cowboys will also tell you, and I'm playing Satan's advocate here, that, well, we spend our money on on our own free agents who, you know, who have these big-time contracts because we draft well, as opposed to the Bengals who traditionally have drafted poorly, and so they need to go out and supplement at a higher level. Are you buying any of that Satan devil's advocate argument? Well, I mean, I... The, the, the thing is, there's more than one way to skin a cat, and you know, there's more than one way to build a Super Bowl winner. But the issue is that the way you built a Super Bowl winner, tried to build a Super Bowl winner, has not worked since 1995. The way you tried to do it has not worked. You need to find out what works for you, you know. And and and, and you know, certainly they, they, they McCarthy believes that you know, continue consistently getting in the playoffs and consistently having a bite at the apple and not going. You know, in, in which also been the Cowboys problem, certainly the Cowboys problem with Garrett, you know, they couldn't string back-to-back winning seasons together. You know, and so you want to be in an environment where you're consistently in the playoffs, consistently in contention, and hopefully that helps you get over the top because it's, it's, it's old hat. And, and you don't get there, and, and, and it's certainly like they were this past year where they weren't ready to play, they were nervous to start the game. It, it, it's old hat to them. And so, you know, that's, you know, certainly McCarthy's problem, but how could you consistently get there how do you, you know, string back-to-back seasons when 
you're going to be lesser on offense without Amari Cooper. The magic question. Let me ask you this real quick. Although I feel like I'm in a hurry, but I don't know that we're in a hurry. Is that, I meant to ask you this when we were talking about the offensive line and the draft and all that stuff. Is there zero thought to using Steele at right tackle and Lyle at left guard? And I don't care what Lyle wants to do because he had so many issues last year. Just shut up and play and cash these checks. Yeah, the, yeah, we, we certainly addressed that. And Lyle plays too high to play guard. But we talked, as McCarthy told us, that, that, that he's gonna, they're, they're going to let them compete. But moving him to guard is, is not necessarily optimal. You know, not, it's certainly not something you want to do, but they don't, think, they don't believe it's something that, that he can do and be successful at it because he plays too high. Okay, and, and, and what Clarence is talking about is pad level, meaning you need to stay low and, uh, you know, do all the things that a guard needs to do. And if you play too high, you get off balance and you make it easy for defensive tackles to uh, take advantage of you. Yeah, you're Connor Williams. Well, he's just lighting the ass. I know, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but okay, but see, what I now, what I love about that on the real, no cap is, you know, we say with the young kids, is that um, um, that's a legitimate reason if you don't want to play him at guard. Like, okay, and so now we can say that to people, well, they think he plays too high, so his pad level's too high, so that's why they don't want to use him at guard. Blah blah blah, and so I think it was good for them to finally give a definitive answer on why they want they don't want to do that. Yeah, well yeah, done, Mister. Well some done. Point blank. Yeah, I asked the point blank. You know, that is that an option? You know, and they, you know, he talked about you know getting him and, and finally getting his hip right and everything else, and they just need to get him, you know, get him right at tackle and get get him playing with the right technique and at tackle again. They said he plays too high, uh, he, he to to go inside a guard. Now, Pro Football Focus said they had the best offensive line in the NFL last year. Did you believe that? You know, I, I, I believe in what I see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the 27 uh, years on the bill, Clarence is turning into old man on the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Y'all didn't win the Super Bowl. Shut it up. I mean, I believe in what I, I mean, see. We, we all, well, first of all, you know, that's interesting because you know, when we talked to Stephen Jones, he said number one thing they need to fix was the offensive line. You know, you <laughs> talk to them, they need to fix the offensive line. So how do they have right, number one right. offensive line league when they said they need to fix the offensive line? That's something Bro. they're going to focus on, fixing the offensive line. Uh, before, before we leave, I would be remiss if I didn't give my man, one of my best friends, a chance to speak glowingly about his daughter, <laughs> who I believe is a sophomore at Howard and junior. just collected. She a junior? Damn, I'm getting old. And uh, just collected an NAA, what was it, NAACP uh, Image Award, BET yeah, Image yeah. Some kind of big-time-ass award where she was celebrated in uh, L.A. And it's uh, as an activist, youth activist of the year, and it's uh, truly a uh, phenomenal honor. Yeah, yeah, she won uh, NAACP Image Award as youth activist of the year for her leadership uh, in college at Howard University last year. She was part of some housing protests, helped lead the housing protests. She's the president of NAACP. They actually were sitting, sleeping in tents for 37 days, occupying a campus building, disrupting campus operations to help and highlight uh, issues with housing for other students. And, and, you know, it was a huge undertaking. As a parent, as I've said, you know, I'm supporting you, but I'm also a parent, and I'm worried about you. <laughs> I mean, because there there could have been academic ramifications that could have been expelled. Uh, 
like you know they all of that stuff was on the tape you know and and and, and so you didn't know and so it was something that she was committed to you know come hell and high water you know Jesse Jackson Jr. told her they need y'all need to go get arrested. I'm like, get arrested, hold it, you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was a nah, it was man. A lot this of, is it, 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 this it is was a, a lot of <laughs> this is a lot of stuff. You know, y'all need to get arrested to get some more attention. You know, all this other stuff, and you know, we got cold and we froze. I'm worried about my baby eating. I'm worried about my baby being cold. I'm worried about my baby getting COVID. You know, and so that was a lot of commitment, and, and, and certainly she. Uh, was celebrated for her commitment and leadership. And, and, you know, as I said before, you know, you get to the point where your kids become your heroes. If you no longer plan to steal a daughter who used to get her into things, as my plus one, you know, I'm, I'm Channing's dad, and she got me in the, as a plus one to a major Hollywood event. Nah, it's uh, it was phenomenal, man. And you know, as, as John Lewis would say, that was good trouble, man. So yeah, no doubt, yeah, that's yeah. very cool, man. That that's amazing, actually. No, it's it's uh, uh, for me looking back as as the uncle, it's more like I look at myself at that age. I wasn't that committed to shit at that age. Not where I'm finna go yeah. out and sleep in a tent and be like, yeah, let's 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 form protests. And so to me, that's where the admiration comes in. Like you're that young, yet you're that committed. And this ain't like where my dad was in in college in the '60s, where they all fighting for civil rights. So you see why they committed. This is, you know, you, you know, your life is fairly comfortable, but you committed to something bigger than yourself, which is what every activist is all about, you know. So to me, it was a, it was a great thing. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you. And 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 we'll swing to that. Just one quick back to the Cowboys. Jerry Jones and I talked to the media on Wednesday at the uh, fight press conference, and there's a wonder if he's even going to come to Indy and do our annual. State of the Union of the Cowboys addressed, talked to the media uh, because he doesn't want to talk about the Richard Downwell cheerleader scam. Well, here's what's going to happen. This is just my prediction, <clears throat> based on nothing but my prediction. Y'all going to get a uh, y'all going to get a phone call from one of the uh, PR people in charge right now, and it's going to say, "All right, do y'all are y'all interested in talking to Jerry? If you don't ask any questions about Rich or the cheerleader thing." Oh, we, we've already been told that. We've already been told, you know, people don't want to have to talk about that. All right. So yeah, then the question is, if, if, right. if, uh, if, if, if we talk to Jerry, you don't ask questions about that because you don't want to talk about it. Well, see, I always think that's dumb. I think you, I think you have to let me ask my question, and then you can say I ain't gonna answer it. But. You know. Well, yeah, he can say that too. But you know, there was there was some thought process that he was, you know, going to be angry if you ask questions. You know, I, I don't know how you can be angry and tell us not to ask questions. But you know, that's you know, they're 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 very sensitive to questions about their culture and and what's going on. Man, quit having things we got to pay two and a half million dollars. You know, I told that to my kids. <laughs> yeah. I told I'm serious. I told that to my kids more than one occasion. And I just tell you like I told them. Well, you fucked up. Why you mad at me? Like you screwed mad. up. You why you finding? Why you looking like you mad at me? Yeah. I ain't do nothing to you. You in trouble because you screwed up. So deal with the consequences. Figure out how not to let it happen again, and then keep it moving. But you know that's why I and, gave myself a Father of the Year award. 
I didn't wait for them to get to it. Shit, right. you think I'm playing? <laughs> no, I do not. I know that. I, <laughs> I would not be surprised at all. All right. Okay, Father. Appreciate okay, it. Okay, Father. All right, man. See y'all. All right, Joe. Yeah. Talk to you soon. All right, man. All right, there he is. Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, man, right there from Indianapolis, where it all is happening at the scouting combine. <laughs> and that's really, you know, that thing with Jerry, though, it really is unfortunate because they – in years past, when he comes up there and they get on the bus and the select few that get in there, they get some real shit out of that. Well, yeah, because it's a, it's a chance to talk to the owner and it's a chance to get ask all the questions that you've had since the end of the year. And, um, you know, to ask some of the, the philosophical and theoretical questions that you've had about the direction of the team. And so it's always very uh, enlightening. And, you know, because it's a small group, you can really go in depth and be like, but Jerry, y'all did this. Why do you do that? And he'll really give you really give you those answers in that setting. Yeah, and that's something I mean, I, the tidbits we'd pick up from from the variety of guys that would get on that bus. It was it was always cool. But let's move on here and we'll we'll kind of circle back around to a couple of things. But let's tell you about a couple of our sponsors before we do just that. Because again, as, as all of you know, without them, we couldn't be doing what we're doing here. That, of course, includes, and I put up a picture on our Instagram, at Jam Session Cast, on our Instagram. I was, it was delivered yesterday. I got three bottles of Smokey John's barbecue sauce. <laughs> In a bottle of rub, man, in the mail. And I got to tell you, that was awesome. See, now, now you know why I asked for your address the other day. I do. Now I, I know you why. Get a late Christmas card from me. Yeah, because I didn't know. I was like, well, you must need it for whatever. And then in the mail, which was awesome. And I was surprised. And I can't wait because I didn't have, I, I'd been out of Smokey John's barbecue sauce. And I love it. I love their barbecue sauce. <laughs> and I, but the point being as well, look, if, if you don't necessarily have to be in Dallas Fort Worth to experience Smokey John's barbecue. And I know. We've had Chris up in New York that has ordered it. I know somebody in Missouri ordered it. I just got a message on our Instagram today that one of our listeners in Milwaukee has ordered it and tried it up there. No matter where you're at, go to SmokyJohns.com, click on Smokey's Market, and you too. Like, I'm in Alabama. I, I can't just go grab the Jam Session Bowl whenever I want to, but I can <laughs> go to my pantry and I can have some of that delicious Smokey John's barbecue sauce whenever I want to. No, nah, man, Smokey John's is fantastic. Brent and Juan are terrific partners. And, uh, you know, man, the barbecue is outstanding. It's just down the street off of uh, 35 and Mockingbird. And as I like to tell folks, man, you can't go wrong with whatever you pick. And even if you think you went wrong, all you got to do is ask for the jam session bowl, and then you know you went right. <laughs> That's the truth, man, because that is, again, it's only for jam session listeners. You have to listen to the podcast to know that you can order it. And they're just awesome. They've given us a lot of support, and the support you guys are giving them, it, it, it helps us as well. And it's, it's just awesome to be a part of that. And I was stoked. I, I cannot wait. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I wanted to try it so bad that this morning I made myself like some breakfast tacos with eggs and stuff, and I, I put a little barbecue sauce on them. Really? Yeah, just because I was like, man, I, I want this Smokey John sauce. And I'm going to find some way to eat it. Or another right now. Pretty much. <laughs> That's I like actually that. I like that. Pretty much exactly what happened. So that was awesome. So Smokey John's, man, check them out. Support them. They're awesome right there, as Jacques told you, off Mockingbird in between Lovefield and 35 in Dallas. 
Also, of course, with spring coming around and summer on the way, I think everybody's aware of this, but Muddy Waters Crawfish, they're doing it right. And you're going to have some events. There's going to be family reunions. There's going to be, who knows, an engagement party, a birthday, whatever the case may be. I'm telling you, when you have these events, they are ready to cater your event. They can drop 600 pounds of crawfish at one time. Dude, and... They've got a phenomenal old school system that guarantees you the best crawfish. Now, I ain't no crawfish expert on how you cook them, but I've seen them do it. And what they do is the difference for them is they let the crawfish get dead and float to the top like a dead body. And when they float to the top means they are filled with all those delicious spices and ready to have their head sucked or something like that. Float to the top like a dead body and get your head sucked. With Muddy Waters Crawfish. <laughs> they got to put that on the t-shirt, man. <laughs> God, dude. I'm going to call Justin say, bro, I just gave you a logo. You have got to put it on the t-shirt. Oh, that's awesome. They do it all, man. It, it, as Jacques told you, it's the classic Louisiana boil and soak method. They also can do jambalaya and pastalaya. Check them out on Instagram at muddywaterscrawfish underscore TX or just go to their website where you can book your event. You can find out more information at muddywaterscrawfish.com. It's delicious. Get your dead body head sucked today. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, I wanted to, I've got a couple little things here for you and we can kind of circle back around because having that conversation with Chill, he's at the scouting combine. Do you... Do you put a lot into the combine? Because to me, they run them through these drills, and it's almost like, okay, on tape, you look really good, and you were awesome in college, but how fast are you really? Because some of the stuff they do, I wonder how much it actually matters. I think it's like, this is just me now. I think it's like most things of this sort. Unless you're really, really outstanding, like top 2% or top 5% of something, or really, really awful, I think it doesn't really matter much to me. And then I wonder, like, some of the measures, like Kenny Pickett, for instance, today. This was a big deal today at the Combine. Kenny Pickett measured with an eight-and-a-half-inch hand. And Todd McShay put this out on Twitter that the last NFL quarterback who had sustained success in the NFL with an under-nine-inch hand was Michael Vick, who was drafted in 2001. And then you look at this and you say, okay, like, Joe Burrow has a nine-inch hand and Ryan Tannehill was at nine inches. And the biggest quarterback right now in the NFL for hand size is Jordan Love with the Packers, who has a 10 and a half inch span across his hand. And what they do is they measure it. You spread your hand out and you measure it. You spread it out as far as you can on like a surface and you measure it from the tip of your pinky through your palm to the tip of your thumb. And that's the span of your hand. And this became a really big deal today because apparently Kenny Pickett, I mean, that's eight and a half inch hand is small. Well, I think, uh, again, it matters to a certain degree when you're, when you're, the, when you're the outlier. Like, uh, for the NFL quarterback, like we want, we want our quarterbacks to be big and strong and, and all this so that they can see over the defensive line. Yeah. That's true, bro. But they don't want you taller than, like, 6'5". Might be 6'6". Six, six. But, like, go back and look. Like, they say 6'7 is too tall. Because there's been no guys six seven like Dan McGuire yeah. and some a couple other guys. Because it's six seven, you're too tall. Maybe you're too lumber. You lumber instead of move fluidly. But there's some reason why, like the sweet spot is six three to six five. All right, that's the sweet spot. 
And yeah, you can have an outlier here or there, but that's why you know a guy like Russell Wilson, five eleven, lasted the third round, or you know Drew Brees, yeah, he's he's second round because yeah, we can have an outlier, but damn, we got to give that dude extra look to see why is his outlier successful and can he translate? Yeah. Basically, when you're playing a college all star team every week, and what I mean obviously is when you play most college teams, if you're an NFL caliber player on offense there's only maybe there's only one or two nfl caliber players on the defense you're facing when you go to the league obviously it's like a college all-star game everybody's a beast just like you yeah and i think you know some like like offensive linemen for instance you don't want to line them with with arms who are too short you know there's various different things that they do some of the ones that i think people pay the most attention to like the bench press and the 40s seem to be the least meaningful to me uh, i think 40 is important uh, I don't think it's the end all be all, but it matters if you run four two nine, or maybe it matters. You know, depending on what your position is, it the the speed matters. But there's always guys who yeah. play faster, and Sean Lee always comes to mind because they anticipate. Or even a guy like Troy Palomalu, you know, their brain works so fast that they can make up speed. But yeah, it, I think and then- just for. I was going to say the other thing I think that the combine does, and we don't know anything about this because obviously it's never disclosed for the most part, but the interviews, I think that's really the main thing that these teams want is to see, we like you, your measurables are solid. We like you on tape, but who are you? Like we need to know because we're about to invest in you. We need to know that we can throw all the stuff at you, that you can handle it. We need to get some sort of an idea of who you are as a person can you fit into what we're building and what we already have, or are you somebody that we just need to stay away from? Yeah, I think that's a, uh, I think that's a fair thing. I mean, I think the interview says a lot about you. I think the on the field stuff, like I said, unless you're an outlier one way or the other, I don't think it matters. I think the interviews are important, but again, man, you have to, um, I've got another interesting thing for you. Um, when it comes to the interviews, you have to kind of figure out who the person is. Meaning, just because you interview me and I come off as quiet and shy, you also got to look at my tape and say, well, he didn't say a whole lot, but Jesus, he's terrorizing people on the field. Yeah. So let's let's not put way too much into that. Yeah, I oh. can see that. Yeah, go ahead. No, you. what, what were you going to say? Uh, this didn't have anything to do with the combine, but I was excited to tell you something else. All right, just say it. What is it? Well, it's going to lead to a conversation, so I didn't want to stop. Okay, well, that's all. I was just curious your thoughts on the combine because it, it's okay. – I, I, I don't know how much I take away from it. I think it's cool to see the 40 times, like you said, see some of the numbers, like, oh, my God, can he pick it? He has such a small hand. Or, holy crap, that dude ran a 429. What, what, but other than that, I don't – who knows? Right. That's all my right, thoughts on you. it. All right, so what do you want to tell me? I just found this interesting. Um, it's just interesting to me. And so hopefully it'll be interesting to y'all. But y'all know, because we talked about it on Matt's birthday. I'm really into birth charts because to me, they just give you an idea of who the person is. It's not saying this is exactly who they are, but it's just an idea of who they are. But there's a friend of mine who like, like they study this like, yeah. you know, they're, they're like, I'm into it at a 20% level. Right. They're into it at like a 90% level. Okay. And so I sent this person Luka Doncic's chart. I didn't tell this person they were, this was Luka Doncic. 
All right. <laughs> I literally took the chart and I said, what would you say about this person? And for, for those of you listening, his son is Pisces, which in general means he's an emotional person. Um, his moon is Leo, which in generally means he thinks quite a bit of himself and he likes to be the center of attention. Um, his Mercury, how he thinks is Pisces. So again, he's a bit emotional. This, so, that's, so I just sent the chart literally with, what would you say about this dude? This is, what, this is the response I got. Bitch tendencies. The Leo <laughs> Mo- Okay. Listen, the Leo moon makes prideful and having pride will make you the best at something you put your mind to. But the Pisces shit, in capital letters, bitch shit. Thinking like a Pisces, so this person thinks like a bitch. Lots of fire in the chart, though. That's why you can't say this person is a bitch. You just have to say bitch tendencies. That's what it is. The Leo moon saves this person because this person is extremely emotional. Uh, Pisces sun, Pisces Mercury with a Scorpio Mars. Wow. Lots of emotion, lots of fire, which is impulse. But the water he has are in very strong places. The fire he has are in places that aren't highly effective. Only the Leo moon will be effective in this case when it comes to the fire he has. But fire and water don't mix, so it's a constant battle. This person likes challenges because he's competitive and cocky and cool. But if the shit isn't going in his favor, he whines about it and acts all female about it <laughs> or want to get loud as shit. Um, but this person isn't wow. a weak person. It's actually a very strong person who's very temperamental and moody. And usually women are temperamental and moody. So when a man is doing women's shit, he is acting like a female. And that's why we call it bitch tendencies. Jeez. And this is a, from a person right. who literally has no idea who Luka Doncic is. Well, sounds like Luka, I guess. <laughs> but I thought that was amazing, It bro. is. It is amazing. That is very interesting. I mean, <laughs> and that's really why, I, again, I like birth charts and I look at them. Because it's, it's just one, it's no different than looking at how somebody dresses and making some assessments and judgments about that. Not good or bad, just like if you saw Matt dress, and I'm, I'm being real like this, 99% of the time I see him, he's got on shorts or jeans and a t-shirt, tennis shoes or flip-flops. Yep. And a baseball cap, usually with a, with a, with a you know, beer logo or a truck logo. That is correct. All that says is he's not a person who puts much money or thought into fashion, which is not good or bad. It just says that's what he is. <laughs> just like Matt would say, if you saw me, you could tell that I, I spend more time thinking about what I'm going to wear or how I'm going to dress and I'm color coordinated most of the time. It just says something about you. So to me, that's what birth charts are. They just, it's a clue as to who you are and what you are about. That's all. And so I find that very interesting that a person who knows nothing about basketball, who got a chart with nothing other than what do you think about this dude, came up with that for Luca because that's all we hear about Luca. Yeah, that, that is, I mean, that was in depth. There's no doubt. And that is the, when you watch him play, I mean, that's exactly how he kind of portrays himself. Yeah. Is exactly so that's that. All, man. Well, it that's works too because, a, you know, speaking of Luca, he was just named Western Conference Player of the Month. <laughs> well, he's been balling, man. Like, he literally today, I, I got this in my email, like, right after 2 o'clock. He has been named Western Conference Player of the Month. He, he joins Dirk as the only players in Mavs franchise history to win multiple Player of the Month's award. This is the second time in his career that he's won it. He last won it in November of 2019. Dirk won it six times. 
But Luka, for the month of February, led the Mavs to a 7-3 record, averaged 35 points a game, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, and a steal. Whew, not bad. Bro, he took those slights to heart, man. Man, no doubt. And the- or or, or I, I call them perceived slights because I, I don't think people were uh, – I, I think people were being fair in their criticism of him, and he just took it to heart and did something about it. Luca, who I think many of us know, he just turned 23 years old. He turned 23 on the last day of February. He had 199 total points in five games in February, breaking his own franchise record for the most points over a five-game stretch, which also happened in February, but February of last year. So kind of awesome. I mean, the Mavs, are, they're cruising, dude. They're 12 games above 500. That's a season high for them. And they've gone 21-7 and seven since December 31st. How about that? Uh, I think at that point they were either 16 and 18 or a game or two under 500 at that point. Um, but they've been playing well. Uh, they're playing defense. And at some point, man, and maybe we'll do it uh, next week. Maybe we'll do it Sunday. I don't know. Uh, we should spend some time talking about how is it that Jason Kidd changed the culture. And when I say the culture, I'm not talking necessarily inside the locker room. I'm talking about he literally – like, what have we heard throughout the whole Rick Carlisle era? Yeah. They can't play defense. They try, but they True. can't. They're just not a good defensive team. Uh, wish we were better at defense, but we're not. Uh, you know, we just got to live with, with the types of players that we have. Outside of Finney Smith, nobody's really a defensive player. And I think it really goes back to – and Rick Carlisle's a great coach. But I really think it goes back to people will do what you demand of them. Not just what you say I want you to do, but what you really emphasize and demand that they do, and you suffer consequences when you don't do it, they will, those who can will reach the standard that you set. Nicely said. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> Nicely done. All right, so we have that for you. Very nice. All right, so I was going to move on. I'll throw out this last little thing here because many of you will listen to this on Friday, March 4th. This weekend on Saturday, March 5th, will be the final home game in the career of Duke head coach Mike Krzyzewski. He has been the head coach at Duke. This is what blows my mind about this. He took over as the head coach at Duke in 1980. He is 75 years old. He just turned 75. His birthday is in February, too. Just turned 75 in February. Five NCAA championships. 12 appearances in the final four and he has won 13 ACC regular season titles including this year a three-time college coach of the year and Mike Krzyzewski I mean he's I think when people think of great all-time college basketball coaches it's either John Wooden or him and I know a lot of people would say John Wooden but you know Krzyzewski did it in a completely different era and to span as long as he did. I mean, keep in mind, they won titles back-to-back in 91-92, and they last won a title in 2015. And they are on, they're a top-10 team that, that could win a championship again this year. But Saturday is his final ever game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. And, of course, he's going out. They host North Carolina on Saturday night. Dude, what do you think those tickets are going for in the secondary market? They got to be. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're several thousand dollars. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, honestly, no I mean, doubt. you're talking about just a guy who it, it'll be weird to see anybody else coach Duke other than Mike Krzyzewski. 
I mean, think about it, bro. He's been coaching. He's been coaching Duke since I was 13 years old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it is insane. It's insane. a seventh grader at Oliver Wendell Holmes, and now I'm a grandfather. Twice over. I mean, it, it is. It's something else. You look at 46 seasons that he has been a head coach. Now, he wasn't always at Duke. He was at Army, I think, before that for a couple of seasons. The winningest coach in the history of the sport, the only coach as of right now, and, and Jim Beheim may join him next year, but Mike Krzyzewski has 1,170 wins, 361 losses. That is a 76.4% win percentage, and he is the only coach in the history of Division One basketball with over 1,000 wins. Wow. Now, that's pretty impressive. The only dude with more than 1,000 wins. Yeah, Bayheim's at 982. He's second. And Bayheim's been doing it since, I think he's been at Syracuse since like 1976, which is insane. And then Jim, Jim Calhoun is at 918. But Bayheim's the only guy who could probably catch him. I don't think Bayheim's going to catch him. But Bayheim should get to 1,000. And, that, and that's what's so wild as you look at some of the names on this all-time wins list. Guys like Roy Williams, Bob Knight, Dean Smith, Adolph Rupp. It's just, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible how long he has consistently been as good as he was. Dude, I just did this quick calculator. You got to average 30 wins a year for 33 years to get to 1,000. I mean, it's incredible. You know, so if you're like most great coaches and you're getting 29 wins a year. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously it was different when Wooden was a coach because Wooden was the coach at UCLA for something like not as long as he's been at Duke because Wooden started in 1948 at UCLA and his last year was 75. So right, however right. many years that would be, that'd be, what, less than 30 years, so about 25 years at UCLA. And shashevsky has been at Duke for, what, 42 years? Dude. And, uh, and it's just, you know, I don't know. Pick who you like. One of those guys is the greatest coach of all time, but I don't have any connection to Duke or any whatever about Duke, but for whatever reason, I always thought, you know, Coach K was like the epitome of what you picture as a college basketball coach, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's anything wrong in saying that. So it's going to be all over there. You know, college game day is going to be there for basketball this Saturday, and they're going to do a mega cast on his final game and there'll be variety of ways to watch it and, and all that type of thing. But we'll see. It, it'd be something. It, it would be something if Duke somehow, cause they haven't won. Like I just mentioned, they haven't won a national title since 2015 and they're good. I mean, they're, they're one of the top 10 teams in the country and they'll, Man. they'll be a one or a two seed in the tournament right now. They're number four in the country in overall rankings and they will, they're right on the line for a one seed or a two seed, and, and maybe they'll make a run, and wouldn't that be something if they won a title the year he retires? Well, the other thing is, this always happens, is uh, they're playing for something bigger than themselves heading into the tournament. Yeah. And, you know, that, a lot of times that creates a level of focus and uh, an intensity that you don't normally have because it's no longer just about me, it's about us, or it's about Coach K, can we send him off in a way uh, that would be spectacular.
Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.